May 14, 2022, episode 87 of Fractured Skulls. Terminator Travis alongside Monoxide. Monoxide, it's rainy outside. How are you doing this fine evening, sir? I'm back in Jersey, New York, after a week's vacation. In fact, the last podcast we did was in Orlando. Fun. I'm back here. Why? Sucks. All good things must come to an end. I'm definitely going back Halloween Horror Nights, man. You gotta do that. And speaking of coming to an end, a lot of shows on the CW got canceled. I it's, heard. I was gonna say, it seems that um, Discovery's doing a, a, a clean slate on this network. I don't know if they're gonna sell it or they're just gonna try to revamp it, but this usually happens every time um, there's a new head in charge. Every time a new company takes over a network. This happened the same thing when Disney bought ABC Network back in the mid-90s. They canceled a lot of shows during that time. And they started new shows basically like under their banner. And it seems like this is happening. The same thing's happening with Discovery and the CW. They canceled Charmed after four seasons. The, the Charm reboot that they did. They canceled Dynasty. They canceled Roswell, New Mexico. They canceled the 4400. They canceled In the Dark. They canceled uh, Legacies, and they canceled the DC superhero show Naomi. Now, Dis- Discovery isn't isn't fucking around here. What's the criteria for canceling these shows? Low ratings? Like, what is it? Well, I don't know what the rating standard is for the CW because, I mean, Batwoman was performing very poorly on that network when it came to ratings. But according to the to the C or the, the boss of the network, he said he wanted to give it another season. He was going to renew that. He wanted to renew that, and he wanted to renew um, Legends of Tomorrow. But um, it was Discovery's decision that told him that gave the axe. So and the CW basically got overpowered by Discovery. Why they're making these cuts? Um, I know I, I mentioned a while back they're they're taking a big look at their scripted shows to see what's working and what's not. I guess they just don't see the value in these shows. Was and it some, so, in, in these shows? I've been around for three or four years, so I guess I I don't know what the average um, running time for a normal show is. But with CW shows, they go for a pretty long time. I mean, The Legend of Tomorrow went seven seasons. I'm I'm just wondering because like I think it was the last episode we did or two episodes ago we talked about the cancellation of Batwoman, and you told me how horrible it was and how it was. Talking about the, it was one of those shows that was the hyping the patriarchy and shit like that. I'm wondering if any of these other shows fell under that same banner, or if they're just victims of being on the same channel that Batwoman is on, and it's just getting completely axed for that. Yeah, I don't know if any of these other shows have been trying to push the message, but yeah, I mean. They got canceled for whatever reason. I guess Discovery is just not interested. They um they probably look at the budget for these shows like why are we spending so much money on this? I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is. The criteria is for, you know for the cancellation of these shows. Could be a ratings thing. Could be sponsors. Could be you know what are we getting back? What's working? What's not? Um, they just don't see the value in these shows. And for the most part, at least when it comes to the DC stuff, I support the decision because Batwoman seemed like it was failing both ratings and critically. I really, I really don't know anyone that liked that show. Yeah, I, that that's the thing with um, woke media, I should say, because the people that are crying, and I sound harsh when I say this, but the people that are upset that their material isn't woke enough, it's usually material that they would never watch to begin with. So, like <clears throat> back in the day. Back around 2012, 2013, there was a woman by the name of Anita Sarkeesian who ran around saying that the games promote sexism. This, this was the new version of saying that um, video games cause violence by the conservatives back in the early 90s. And the thing that always struck to me was that she's trying to cater to a demographic that would never even entertain video games to begin with. Even if they abided by their uh, political ideology. So it's like, okay, yeah, you've got a DC character in Batwoman, 
and it's all woke. But are these woke people even interested in DC Comics to begin with? That, that's the issue. It's, it's one thing if you're catering to a market that's clamoring for it, but if they're not clamoring for it, then of course it's going to flop flat on its face. So they're trying to appeal to an imaginary market is what you're saying. Wouldn't even say imaginary. I guess imaginary market would be the right term, but I'm looking for something better. Like there are people out there who are woke and want material like that, but it's definitely not in the masses like they think it is. Most people just want to watch Batwoman kick some bad guys, not some political driven ideology that's telling the viewer at home that they're a piece of garbage because they aren't woke or they're a straight white male or whatever the case may be. Uh, same thing with, uh, as we said, the Bart and Ernie, two puppets being gay or whatever. It's just, it's it's not conducive because like the, the people that watch these shows aren't into that or don't care about that and don't need it shoved in their face. It's the same reason where... um. Look at uh, Colin Kaepernick when he started kneeling. Ratings started going down when the kneeling started to become more prevalent because most people who were were a part into the kneeling probably weren't even football fans to begin with. I can't prove that, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, but this is just assumption based on multiple areas of things that have turned woke and are already getting canceled due to poor ratings or poor writing. So, it's like, okay, why do you think Dave Chappelle still has a job? Because the dude is entertaining as hell, everybody loves to watch him, and he still rips on a lot of woke tropes. And it's because he's funny while he's doing it. So, the point being is that if you're going to create something original... And it's woke. I mean, good luck to you. But even original woke doesn't usually do well because the people who are quote unquote woke are in the minority. They just happen to have the loudest voices in the room. There's still no update on uh, Stargirl and another show called Tom Swift, which I'm not familiar with at all. Uh, Stargirl is another DC superhero show. So um, right out there on their off season. So who knows if they're going to get renewed or not. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see for that. But uh, The Flash has been renewed. All-American's been renewed. Uh, the show mm-hmm. Kung Fu, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, uh, Walker, and Superman and Lois are all okay. Uh, it's not a CW show, but I, I figured I'd bring this up. Um, look at Cobra Kai. Uh, I, I've watched all four seasons of Cobra Kai. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've seen anything woke in that show at all. Nope. No, no political message. Nothing. It's a simple show, but yet it's so loved right now. Think about that. Another show that, that's coming out with a new season. Again, not CW, but Stranger Things. If I'm correct, I've watched all three seasons. I don't recall really any woke messages in that show. It's a very simple. Yeah, the lead character is a girl who's strong because she has the same capabilities of like E.T. and Poltergeist and all that stuff. But within the context of the story that they're telling, it makes sense. It's not insulting to my intelligence. It's very well done. So all I'm saying is you can have lead female roles or you can have because Cobra Kai has some lead female roles. Cobra Kai has some girls that are out there kicking ass in karate. It can work. You just don't have to pull the whole I'm woman, hear me roar all the time. So, I'm saying, it's it's not... It, just don't force it into our fucking lives. That's all I'm saying. Because it's, it's working for these two shows pretty well. And they're well-known shows. Stranger Things is so well-known, it's got its own store in New York. And I hear they're going to get the go-ahead, the CW, to a show called Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, okay. I'm not familiar with them. It sounds like another we-really-want-to-do-a-Batman-show-but-can't type thing. So, Gotham Knights, the first time I heard that was for the video game that's coming out in October... 
It was supposed to come out. It's only coming out for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and and the PC. It was supposed to come out for the PS4 and Xbox One, but they talked on it. It's just basically you can take control of either uh, Nightwing, Batgirl, um, Robin, and Red Hood. And it's you guys trying to take save Gotham after Batman is killed. Does the word Aloha make you warm? So, I don't know if it's going to be based off of that. I don't know. But it's a game I was looking forward to, but now I got to get a PS5 in order to play it. And as we all know, trying to find a PS5 is trying, it's the same as trying to find the golden ticket in the Wonka bars. Pretty rare. The upcoming series follows Bruce's rebellious adopted son who forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they are all framed for killing the Cape, the Cape Crusader. Hmm. Uh, he descends into the most dangerous Oscar, the actor, and his team of mismatched fugitives have to protect the city in Batman's absence. Sounds a lot like the plot for Batwoman. She's around because there's no Batman. He's, he's absent. They really want to do a Batman show desperately, but can't. <laughs> yes, but there is Nightwing, there is Robin, and there is Red Hood. So I don't know if this is going to have any connection to the Titan series that's on HBO Max, because I know Nightwing's on that, and I think Robin too. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's so much to keep up. Who knows? Superheroes are the end thing now. So. And our second news story. Would you like to know the, the full inductees of the 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Define rock and roll. I guess music. Yeah, because I just... I was at the Hard Rock Cafe the day after we did that review. Was it the day... No, it was the day of. And it's hard rock, yet they have one of Nicki Minaj's get-ups. Maybe I'm oh. going completely nuts, but Nicki Minaj is not rock. Which she belongs in the Hall of Fame, that's a different discussion. But she's not a rock musician. Anyways. Well, rock and roll has a lot of spin-offs. Rock and roll came from blues music. And blues came from, I guess, jazz. Alright. Blues, jazz. Nicki Minaj is still not either of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. I don't, I don't know what the criteria is to get in the rock. I guess you have to have a successful career. Anyway, but the but- inductees... Like, Biggie is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Biggie's a legend. Notorious B.I.G., a rap Hall of Fame, fucking first ballot. Rock and Roll, though? I mean, that's like putting Paul McCartney in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. I'm just saying. Yes, Paul McCartney belongs in a Hall of Fame. But in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, okay. Anyways, go ahead. Tell me who the nominees are. The nominees are mm-hmm. Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's sleazeball. Okay, go ahead. Duran Duran. Dolly, okay. Dolly Parton. I'm surprised. I thought she was already in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lionel Richie. Okay. The team of Pat Benatar and Neil Gerardo. Geraldo. Sorry if I mispronounced some of these names. Uh, mm-hmm. Carly Simon. Eurythmics. Uh, oh, okay. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Uh, here's the one I, I'm surprised ha- are not in. Judas Priest. Okay. Harry, Bel- Harry Belafonte. Yeah! Alan Grubman. Jimmy Ivine. And Sylvia Robinson. That's your full list. Any thoughts on any of them? It seems like uh, it's going to be a theme every year. They're going to induct uh, one hip-hop artist or rapper into the Hall of Fame. Okay. Then I guess Eminem belongs in there. So... You may be wondering why. Jay-Z winning last year, I believe. Yeah. You were probably wondering why I called Eminem a sleazeball. I guess sleazeball is not a really right term. For a guy with his talent, he should not be the the idiot that he can be sometimes. Like the moron that he can come off at points. Dude comes off like a complete and utter nitwit. Stupid. El stupido. Stunad. Um, most of the names you said I didn't really have a comment on. Like Lionel Richie, I mean, he's more of a soul pop guy. 
but I guess I, I I assume Michael Jackson's in. Um, I'm not sure. I I, I don't know the hall the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as much as I know like the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, but I'm so, I I read some of these names like how how does like Judas Priest isn't in? Because I did I remember hearing a story either a year or so ago about how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't showing enough respect to like the heavy metal community. Mm-hmm. Because I mentioned Judas Priest. Um, I don't I don't even know if Iron Maiden's in there. I know for a while, like people kept saying Deep Purple deserved to be in there, and I think they got inducted a couple years ago. So um, I think they eventually made it in but for a long time they there was like why aren't these guys in um and i know green day just got in a couple years ago and uh i can probably if i look through the list and see names that are missing i could probably come up to you and name you a couple guys or a couple bands like I, I'm breezing through the list right now. Okay, we see the Beach Boys, got the Beastie Boys, the Beatles, of course. Um, like I would be hard pressed to not see Jimi Hendrix on this list. Like if Jimi Hendrix is okay, Jimi Hendrix is on this oh, list. He's on there. <laughs> yeah, like that would be. BB uh, King, he's a legend. Yeah, BB King, The Doors. The yep, Doors. The- um, the Beatles are in there. Uh, Nirvana, I know, just got in there. Nine Inch Nails got in there two years ago. Yep. Which I was very happy by. Um, I think there's one group in there that's not in there that I'm still pissed isn't in there, and that's Oasis, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, they're not in there, and they're not a heavy metal group. Uh, one band I would love to see in there, but probably won't, is Primus. They never really hit that big plateau like they should. I mean, the big thing was doing the South Park theme. Queen's in there. That's good. Um, but you said the heavy metal ones is the ones that get left out. Um, well, Metallica's in there. Yeah, I, I don't know if Iron Maiden, if they're not in there, I'd put them up there on top as in as a band that definitely should be in. The some- Iron Maiden is not in there. Wow. Hey, look at but that. the Isley Brothers are. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh. Well, if if we're going the route of just adding music, okay. I was gonna say, what about the Temptations? The temptations are in there. Okay. Um. Elton John, I would presume, is in the rock and roll. No, I'm not seeing Elton John. Uh, is Marvin Gaye in there? Well, first, of, hold up. Well, look, Marvin Gaye, he's not also not a rock musician. He was more like a, like R&B, soul. Uh, no, I'm not seeing Marvin Gaye. Wow. It says here, to be eligible, artists are required to have released their first record album 25 years prior to induction. The first record, 20, so basically they have to release a record and wait about 25 years before they get inducted. Yes. Okay, so Marvin Gaye's been dead since 1983. I mean, what's taking so fucking long? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It just goes back to the question: What is the criteria? How are you? Well, I mean, okay, you got to wait 25 years after your debut album to get it face a possible induction. Uh, like, how do they round up these names? Are they voted well, in? Is there a meeting? You said 25, right? Yeah, 25 years. Okay, so <clears throat> Nirvana's first album came out in 89 so literally on the 25th year because they got inducted in 2014 they got fucking put in there yeah and now wait a minute 25 years let's see 2020 okay 26 years was after notorious big's first album all right because uh, he got inducted in 2020 pearl jam got inducted in 2017 so yeah, 1992. I'm just looking through these. Yeah, I'm looking through these. I'm like, what in God's name? Randy Rhodes, uh, Righteous Brothers. I'm not saying none of these names don't deserve a Hall of Fame spot. I'm okay with the 25 year format. No, that's not. It's it's just like I don't know. Let's see. 
He said 25 years. Oasis's first album came out in 1984, so they were eligible in 2019, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not in yet. Not yet. And we still have no Marvin Gaye. James Taylor's in there. The Go-Go's were, are in there. <laughs> Vacation time and work. Yes, exactly. And uh, going back, Michael Jackson isn't in there, which is quite strange. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I take it back. Michael Jackson is in there. He was classic 2001. And who was the other one? Marvin Gaye? Let me go back. Maybe he is in there now. No. Okay. I take it back. Marvin Gaye was class of 87. See, what I'm doing is I was looking at their first name and not their last name. So everything I said about Marvin Gaye not being in there, just completely uh, cut that out. I, I would assume James Brown's in there. James Brown. Let's see. James. James Brown. Yeah, that would be a real... Yeah, James Brown's in there. No Oasis, though, but ABBA's in there. We gotta make sure ABBA's in there. Is Britney Spears in the freaking Hall of Fame? <laughs> oh, wait. It hasn't been 25 years yet since her first album. It's getting close. Yeah, she'll probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I would you know, and then I said, what about the Backstreet Boys? Would they, would they even be considered? Now, because we haven't really gotten to the area, the era of boy bands yet. The thing is, they were so short-lived, like NSYNC. Like, yeah. Was their impact that impactful? Like, I don't know. That would fall into the same guys as Spice Girls. Like, at the time, they were such a big deal. But are they a big deal now? Like Spice Girls is a big deal. Spice Girls were, were the Spice Girls a big deal by 2001? Let me look at somebody who's off camera. Were they a big deal? Uh, she's giving me the nod in 2001. That was when Ginger Spice was out, right? And she's giving me sort of the nod. Because by that point, I know Ginger Spice had left the group at some point. But yeah, they, at one time they were. You in the late nineties, they were huge. Yeah, yo, they had their own freaking movie. I'm I'm an old geezer, so I remember this. I was in first grade. They had the movie. We had the lollipops with the sticker, the dolls, the PlayStation game. (laughs) Think of it. They made merch off of it. Spice Girl socks, golf hats. They they probably made those too. Yes. The Spice Girls were everywhere. And can I even remember all of them? Let me see. It was Ginger, Scary, uh, Posh, Sporty, and the Baby. Thank you. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you would put them in the Hall of Fame because their careers were so short. Now, here's where this question gets even scarier. His first album came out in the late 2000s, I would presume. Would Justin Bieber be a qualifier? Oh, God. When his talk comes, is he going to be inducted? I I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Same with, um, what's her face? The, the one that made that song whack. Party Davis, the girl. Yeah, t- Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. Kanye West. Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll, he'll he'll get inducted in the future. Oh man, I don't know. Um, I, I would I would even throw in, and we're gonna do rap groups. Definitely a tri- a tribe called Quest. Yeah, um, they already got Run DMC and NWA. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, they got public public enemies in there too. Wu Tang's in there, right? Uh, ooh, ooh, I don't think so. You don't think the Wu Tang is in there? They, oh, they have to. I, yeah, they got. They have to. They you got to put them in there eventually, sometime. They have to be. I'm not seeing them. Not seeing no Wu Tang. Well, they put them on the list. Wu Tang and uh, Tricol Quest. Oh, uh, before I make confirmation, let me go to C because it's in 
alphabetical order, but they choose if they go by the first name or last name for some reason. Clapton, Clark, Coasters. Nope, I'm not seeing the Wu-Tang Clan in here. I would also, honestly, I know he's already in there. I would give Dr. Dre a solo induction. Oh, yeah, NWA and all that stuff, yeah. Even, even with some of the Beatles guys, I would give John Lennon his own, well, I don't know. Yeah, no, he can't def- do that because Ringo's got his own induction. Well, yeah, you might also do John and um, John Paul and George. I, let me see. I think John Lennon's in there by himself. Yeah, John Lennon's in there. And uh, Paul McCartney. I would presume Paul McCartney's. Def- yep, Paul McCartney's in Paul, there. Paul might get, he might get three inductions because also his band Wings. Oh, George. Now I'm looking for George Harrison. Oh, well, I went to G. H. George Harrison's in there, and then Wings. Yeah, because Wings, they sang the a Wonderful Christmas Time. That was Paul McCartney's band, Pulse Beatles. Yeah, I know Wings, and they're not in, it looks like. Yeah, so Paul has, like, two more. A ring, well, Hall of Fame rings waiting for him. Dave Grohl, of course, will go in again with Foo Fighters. Mm, that is definitely true. Um, um, let's see. Is Genesis in? Genesis, I don't know. System of a Down in? Uh, no, wait. They still have another couple more years. Because, I mean, because if you were to do Genesis, that means Phil, also Phil Collins yep. would get to solo. Genesis isn't. Okay, yeah. So him and uh, Peter Gabriel have to get their own spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the names in here that I'm just surprised aren't in for some reason. What about Janice Joplin? Is she in there? She has to be. I think she went in one, um, a couple years ago. Has to be with the band that she's with because she's not in their solo. Maybe with the band. Because I remember, I thought I heard her name dropped on maybe it was a speech. I can't remember. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a, a Tupac's in there. Yeah, yeah, Tupac's in, Biggie's in, uh, Jay Z's in there. What about Hall? Yeah, Hall Notes is in there. Hall Notes, L Cool J. Now we got Eminem. Tina Turner's in there too. That does not surprise me. Um, the Who, Hank Williams, that don't surprise me. Uh, what about Buddy Holly? I wonder if he has to be in there. Oh, he's got to. He's got to be in there. Richie Valens would have to be in there. Yep, Buddy Holly is in there. Selena. She's in. I think so. I mean, they're just picking people out of a hat. Yeah, see, well, yeah, they just. They're just crossing over all like different musical categories. The thing is, she was known professionally as Selena, but her full name was Selena Quintel Perez, I think. I, I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name to anybody who takes it seriously. Public Enemy is in. Yep. Yeah. And you got those bands. You got Green Day in there. No, but I gotta give Bon Jovi credit because he was one of the few bands from the '80s that survived the grunge era. Oh, um, that survived post grunge. Would you say Madonna too? And Michael well, Jackson? Think, well, I'm thinking more so of like rock and roll bands, that the long-haired, uh, oh, Tiger Stripe bands. I see. Yeah, I guess and so. Then when grunge came, they you know they were the complete opposite. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Metallica maybe. Metallica, yeah, I'd say them too. Yeah. Oh well, uh, you you heard it here, folks. We got a lot of names that need to be covered, and uh, we had to correct ourselves on a couple of names we thought weren't in. Yeah, and I haven't really even covered the guys from the um, uh, from the Hitsville days. We mentioned Marvin Gaye. I don't know if Sam Cooke's in there. Um, I would I would assume Stevie Wonder's in. Oh yeah, if you don't have Stevie Wonder, it's like come on. Or uh, Ray Charles. Ray Charles. I think Aretha Franklin got inducted. Yeah, you need the names that almost everybody knows. You gotta have. Um, did we say Louis Armstrong? Um, I don't know. I know we didn't bring the name up. I'm not even gonna look. I would think that Elvis Presley is in there. Yeah, he's in. Hey. Big Bopper. Big Bopper. Hello, baby. Hey, you, yeah, he was on that plane to it, and then, you know, with the others. Yeah, the day the music died. Yeah. Oh, 
always say. I said, bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee. But, damn levee was dry. <laughs> um, I never claimed to be a great singer. You're great for uh, William Shatner karaoke type. But, yeah, those are your inductees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Obviously, we still have a long way to go with that. Plenty of names, plenty of well-deserved uh, artists, groups, bands across all different forms of the music genre that uh, the rock and roll is pretty much covered these days. I'm assuming there are other musical Hall of Fame categories like the Hip Hop Hall of Fame, the Rap Hall of Fame, the Jazz Hall of Fame. But, you know, they're probably all subpar compared to the rock and roll. That's the big one. That's the mainstream. That's the one everyone goes to. I guess because rock and roll's been around for a long time. Yeah, and you can make the argument that rock and roll is kind of spinoff. Like like all these other musical genres came from rock and roll, which rock and roll came from blues music. Yeah, in a way. Ice, like, actually, Ice, Ice, Ice Cube actually cut a great speech when it, during his uh, induction because a lot of people were critical on the NWA being in. One of them being uh, Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gee, that's a shock but yeah that's that and then from there we'll i guess we'll get into our film discussion for today oh, okay the very controversial 1980 handheld film cannibal holocaust i first saw this movie when i was in middle school i never really seen anything like this before i did uh, we talked about it off the air. First movie I... The movie that it reminded me of instantly was Faces of Death. Um, sort of different format, because again, Faces of Death was more like a mockumentary, documentary type of deal. But the death scenes reminded me of what I saw here. Um, I will say that there is a lot of scenes in this film where the people in PETA would have fucking strokes seeing this film. They would not be able to sleep during the night because they would have complete inducing nightmares. Um, a lot of animal cruelty in this film that, according to you, you said this, were real. Yes. Has it actually been proven? It was. It has been confirmed that by the director and the actors involved, everyone on set. Um, then, there is. Hold up. Hold up. Before you continue, I just want. I just want to make this clear. We're going to get into it, but I want to make it clear that these actors actually partook in slaughtering animals and were able to do it without having any sort of squeamish vibes. I weren't able to get through the set with no issues. Oh, that's what... Not entirely. Ah, interesting. There is, there is a show on Shudder called Cursed Films. I'm pretty sure I brought this up before. Um, they mention, they bring up... Uh, they talk about films that have uh, a very dark past, a very dark scene, a very dark backstory behind the film. We, we already mentioned The Crow, uh, the death of Brandon Lee, the Twilight Zone movie, um, that actor got killed with a, uh, from the helicopter. Vic Morrow. Yeah, Vic Morrow, yep. Um, uh, the Omen, a lot of stuff happened at post-production uh, or before the film. There's always a story. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, there's the rumor the munchkin that hung himself yep. in the background during one of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they covered that on, and their last episode, they just, they, they, only, they, they only do five episodes a season. And the last episode they dropped was Cannibal Holocaust. I was like, ooh, this should be good. And uh, they interviewed a director, and they interviewed three of the four actors. And the director, he wanted to do like a guerrilla-style type film. Because around the time, um, this was Vietnam, you are seeing a lot of footage of the soldiers. And, and just that, that, that video style, it felt yeah. real. And a lot of directors wanted to incorporate that into their movies. Francis Ford Coppola being one of them, um, after he did Godfather 2, he did Apocalypse Now, which was a war film in Vietnam, and he did that guerrilla-style filmmaking. 
they uh, grill style is really the it's like one of the very early stages of found footage fo- films mm-hmm. um on the episode they actually interviewed the director of the blair witch project and he said he was not aware that this movie was made uh, it was until post-production of the blair witch project that he came across that someone rest uh gave him a vhs copy of this film and he saw it and he said had I seen this film like a year ago, I would not have made Blair Witch Project. Because I realized, oh, damn it, someone already beat me to this. Mm. Well, Blair Witch is a different film entirely because it there's no gore. Like, that film focuses more on your imagination filling in the blanks. This film doesn't allow your imagination to do the work. It does it for you. Um, it, this film... What year does this come out? 1980? Yes. Uh, it's pretty fucking graphic. Like, there's some... Baby. Real, the, the, I mean, I'm pretty immune, immune to gore. Like, I don't really react to it. And I didn't really react to this movie. But I always try to put myself in the shoes of somebody who may still be squeamish. I can see somebody getting squeamish to this. Bad. So, it's... It's not for the faint of heart. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, to quickly go over the plot, because I'm just going to go over the plot, and then from there, maybe we can just pick out the scenes. Because I can't remember every every scene in order, but there were scenes that obviously definitely stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, um, just um, we follow a film crew. Uh, four kids. They wanted to make a documentary about the uh, the cannibalistic tribes, I believe, uh, in the Amazon rainforest. And um, these kids, um, what they do, they kill a turtle. They um, they rape. They raped a uh, tribe girl. Um, they did a lot of crazy things because they felt that there wasn't enough drama in their documentary. So they figured, let's make up drama. Oh, yeah. They didn't just rape they burned their village down um there was and they paid a price for it too because there was two tribes that they were trying to fuck with and one of the tribes wasn't having it uh because the way that i don't know if i should be skipping over this but the the basic gist of the film is like you said four film directors who wanted to go and film the green inferno but never came back and so an individual the main guy forget his name off the top of the head uh professor harold monroe played by uh robert kerman all right so yeah he goes and goes with two expert uh hunters i guess you can say to go and find them and he finds the tribes, tries to earn their trust, and eventually finds the footage. And that's literally the first 40 minutes, is him in the woods with the this tribe trying to earn their trust. And he eventually does and gets the footage. The yeah, rest, he, finds, he finds the bodies of the kids. Oh, yeah, that too. He, he does the, the bodies. The like wrapped around the Mia. The other half of the film is him going over the footage and him preventing the footage from being released because he knows what's on those tapes. So, the film basically, uh, we're skipping around here because, yeah, this film is Tarantino style, I guess you could say. Um, But the film basically ends with him telling the producers he does not want this film released. And one of the producers, she's like, what you you just want to prevent this film from being released because it may be a little too disturbing he's like yes and he's like i i've only shown you bits and pieces of it i haven't even shown you the disturbing part that you guys don't even want to look at and then that's when he shows them the death of the four film directors which is uh one of the guys gets captured and they sever his penis and then just cut him up into pieces then uh, they take the one girl the girl of the four directors and then they start I guess raping her yeah they raped the shit out of her they basically they all held her down 
seemed like the leader of the tribe, he raped her first, and I think a few others took turns, and then they just killed her. Yeah. And then the other guy was just beaten profusely. Uh, the two cameramen were beaten profusely. Alan and uh, I think it was Jake, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Um, and then basically they came to the conclusion, we got to burn this footage. It's, it's no good. It's, it's just bad. Um, but as we were saying earlier, there's other depictions here. Uh, there was a squirrel. I can't remember if it was a squirrel or ferret. Uh, they cut the neck of it and slice it open and try to eat the insides of it after cooking it. They take a turtle, as we said. Now, for many of you who do not know, but the shell of a turtle is not just for decoration. If you wanted to just even take the shell off of the turtle, that's still going to be painful for the turtle because that shell's attached to its body. It's not like it's a it's a home, but it's not just a home. That's part of them. It's kind of like um, if any of you have watched SpongeBob back in the day, remember that stupid thing that was on Kevin's head, the cute sea cucumber? Well, everybody thought it was a hat, and we come to find out it wasn't a hat. It was actually part of him, so when it's ripped off, it's actually painful, and you can see its skin. But that's comedy. This wasn't comedy. This was them ripping a fucking turtle open so they can eat it. Pretty fucking brutal. It's... Think- it was a brutal scene, even for me to get through. When I saw it, I was like, oh, man, I can't. Because and, uh, they're not and just... One of the, and one of the actors admitted after filming that scene, he cried. Because now, he's got to live with that for the rest of his life, knowing that I just killed a turtle. But now, okay, here's my question. Why did they have to kill a real turtle to get the scene? Because the director wanted realism. So he because co- because his the director's influence according to the documentary was that he saw what was happening around the world war chaos like every day you turn on the news it's something bad happening and that's basically his influence behind this film is that he it was almost like as we mentioned a almost like a live footage of what's happening around the world because you know these kind of things happen so let let me get this logic correctly we have to kill animals like turtles and and what was that? I keep saying ferret or, or squirrel or whatever the hell they killed I don't think it would be a squirrel because it freaking butt like a little ferret so they had to legitimately kill these animals and rip their insides out so they can get real so why not just kill an actual person well, oh what just, well that's just murder and we're gonna get it. We're gonna get into that uh, soon about uh, the aftermath of the movie. Oh, great! Here we go. But yeah, it's murder. The, the big difference is, is that you can actually be indicted for killing somebody for real. But that's how flawed the logic is, because you know you wouldn't murder somebody because you'd get in trouble. You're willing to do it to an animal because you know you're not gonna get in trouble, supposedly. Because PETA, I don't know if they exist at that point, but. I don't care how, you know, Evil Dead wasn't quote unquote realistic, but with the special effects that they had, and they had very little money to do those special effects. Sam Raimi, I think, was it that he had to max out all of his relatives' freaking credit cards to get that movie done. Still came out and made a very well put together film. And that movie came out a year after this. I'm rendered mute at the idea. Like, okay. I'm not an animal lover. I will blatantly say that. I had cats all my life. They were annoying as shit. I can't stand being around pets sometimes. However, I do not get my jollies up in a bunch seeing an animal in distress. I am still baffled that even if that's what the director wanted, that all these actors didn't just go up and say, you know what, fuck you, I ain't doing this shit. That's the first thing I would say. I don't care if you can banish me from Hollywood at that point. I ain't gonna be slaughtering no goddamn turtle. I ain't doing it. I may be sick in the head, but I ain't sick in the head to the point where I'm gonna fucking kill a turtle. I still don't understand. 
I still don't understand this logic, but. So we actually did watch actual animals getting slaughtered. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, we did. No, if this movie couldn't get the uh, approval to be aired in certain places, gee, I wonder why. Not only did it not get approved, they got banned everywhere. And when the movie premiered, they arrested the director. Yes, that I read. Yeah, he uh, went because the director uh, had the actor sign a contract where they couldn't film anything for a year to help sell the fact that that people, you know, watching you would think that they're actually dead. Well, the government thought they were actually dead. He appeared in court. All that would be well and good if everything they did was fake. Like, obviously, the people dying are fake. But if the animal death scenes were fake, that'd be... You wouldn't hear a peep from me. You would be, I would be like, you know what? You did a great job. All right. Let me put it to you guys like this. All right. Bringing wrestling into this, there was something that um, a pro wrestler by the name of Honky Tonk Man used to always say. He never understood the philosophy of stiff workers. What a stiff worker is, is when somebody actually tags you for real, like actually hits you for real or gives you a real stiff punch, a real hard punch. He never understood that because he felt like the best workers are guys that can make you, the audience, believe that I'm punching this guy for real and he's getting his fucking face clobbered in, but I'm doing the least amount of damage to him possible. He he always believed in making things look as real as possible, but being as safe as possible. You mean, I'm, you can kill a turtle in front of us. It is shocking. But it's more shocking to make that turtle look like it's getting slaughtered, but it ain't really getting slaughtered. I know this is 1980, but to kill a turtle, that's not impressive. That's not shocking, because obviously, yes, it's going to look like that when you kill it. it. Takes more. Why do you think The Exorcist does such a great job at capturing audiences? 50 years after the fact because of how well done it's made and it didn't it, as far as I know have to involve an actual exorcism although supposedly some shit happened after the movie came out but that's for another time point is is that it takes more talent to convince me that turtles getting slaughtered but you're actually doing some weird special effects than to actually slaughter a turtle or ferret, or whatever the hell else animals that they killed to make this movie. Monkeys, I think they also bashed monkeys' heads in. Uh, director Sergio Leon, for those that don't know, he directed the Dollar Trilogy, or the Clint Eastwood uh, Western films, Good and Bad and the Ugly, Fistful of Dollars. He wrote a letter to the director of this film, uh, Ruggiero Diodato, basically telling him, you made a masterpiece. Says, and I quote, Dear Rogaro, what a movie. The second part is a masterpiece of cinematic realism. But everything seems so real that I think you will get in trouble with all the world. <laughs> oh, he did. He did. Um, uh, when the actor showed up in court, uh, I believe all he got hit was community service. He had to do like, I think, 200 hours of community service. Mm-hmm. But, um... The actors, they interviewed, as I mentioned, some of the actors. The actors, uh, they said they were very uncomfortable with doing a lot of stuff, but the reason they did it was because, well, they were young and they didn't know anything. They didn't know much. Mmm. The young didn't know much. Usually that argument flies in a lot of different scenarios. But I looked up the ages of all these actors at the time, one of them being 28. I was 28 and never considered the idea of actually harming an animal. No. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not buying that one. Pretty stupid. I was young. I didn't know any better. I was put in a position where I had to kill uh, an animal. I still don't... <laughs> still don't get it. It's still illogical to me. 
Um, there was also another scene where they, um, the guys, they raped one of the young women, uh, the tribe girl. Mm. Uh, oh, they're, they're so, like in mud. So now, keeping in with the whole realism effect, did she really get raped? Uh, no. Uh, the story was that she actually did live in the rainforest. Um, they mentioned this girl, you know, she was professional, but uh, she's never seen a video camera in her life. She's never seen a television in her life. She's lived in a village in her uh, entire life when they did this film. I believe she was 19. She may have been a little younger. I think 17. Uh, I can't remember the age number exactly, but she was young. They didn't, they didn't, ra- they didn't actually rape her, but, you know, they still, you know, were on the ground with her, uh, touching every part of her body. They were all over in the mud. It was dirty and it was uncomfortable. It's hot outside. You can imagine what the heat's like down there. And it was just, it was still an uncomfortable scene to film, but, you know, they did it. Right, but my question is, did she know ahead of time, oh, we're doing this scene, act uncomfortable? Uh, yeah. All right, that's, that's better than making her actually uncomfortable. Uh, There was only one time that I actually thought making somebody legit uncomfortable actually worked to the benefit, and it was, um... In the movie Stand By Me, it's the scene where uh, Will Wheaton and Jerry O'Connell have to run on the train tracks because the train is coming. But the director could not get the kids to look scared enough or in distress enough. So the director, out of frustration, I, I could have it a little wrong, but, but I got it correct. The director actually went up to both kids and started shaking them and started screaming at them like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then the kids like obviously freaked out that the director just like screamed at them as loud as possible, started crying. And as soon as he got the crying, he's like, quick, roll the cameras. And then obviously you get the scene that you see. Um, Then I think there was another scene in particular where, um, where they're at the campsite and the scene where river phoenix's character has to talk about his family problems and he has to break down crying he basically told river think of the worst thing that you that's ever happened in your life and just think about that while saying your lines and you see the performance and river does a great job making it look like he's crying and i'm not sure if uh, River ever disclosed what he was thinking about, but the director said whatever he was thinking about afterwards, he comforted him. That type of stuff is one thing, but like, if it's, it's as I'm saying, it still leaves me baffled that we got a movie that's got to involve re- realism. I don't know. That whole murdering actual animals still is leaving a bit of a sour taste in my mouth well you know the director has since then you know you know regrets everything he did you know with that movie you know the the animals um there was a scene um i think where the trot the uh the tribes were supposed to eat uh, monkey brains he wanted to use fake monkey brains but the natives said no because we actually eat monkey brains here so we're gonna eat actual monkey brains and that's what okay. They did. Okay, you could still eat actual monkey brains, but just kill a fake monkey, not a real one. Simple. The way you can edit that to where they're not really killing a monkey, but it looks like they're killing a monkey, and then they're eating the monkey, real monkey brains. I love actual bacon, but I don't need you to slaughter a pig right in front of me to give me the bacon. Just saying. Well, I know one of the actors, I think when it came to doing their turtle scene, um, said, uh, you know, he did it without any problem because I think he's done it before. Or he, he used to slaughter pigs before. All right. Listen. I guess I guess because of where he grew up. I am of the philosophy. I will say this. This, this is something I will say. And this is something that uh, wrestler Gregory Holmes had said. And I, and I, I sort of get what he's saying. I don't begrudge if you are literally out in the woods and you're starving and you need to eat, you gotta go hunt. 
you gotta kill a deer to go make sure that you survive. Yeah, kill it for some survival of fetus. Exactly. Not for a fucking movie. That's where I'm kind of like, eh. And we're not even talking about like when we were in high school and we had to dissect animals that were already dead. And even then, I wasn't really all in tune with doing that shit. Because it's like, I don't know, it's like sacrilegious in a way. And this is coming from somebody who's not an animal lover. Like, it, you can't get me like all lovey-dovey with a puppy dog face. But I just don't get the utter abuse of this shit. That, that's where I'm going with this. And as I said, it now that you put it that way, it kind of knocks my enjoyment of the film down because it felt it, it felt lazy. Not only that, it feels lazy that they had to go with the realism route. Like, oh, we can't make it look real, so we'll just do it for me. And get a bunch of dumb people to do it. Oh, I found it to be really stupid. Uh, the ending of the film, they saw all the footage they needed to see. I believe he was the professor was sitting in the room with the dean. The principal and a few other teachers and the teacher, you know, got on the phone. The dean got on the phone and said, burn the footage, burn everything. Yeah. And the professor basically got what he wanted. The film didn't get exposed. It got burned. And then he walks outside, almost like a walking into the sunset type feel. And then the, the uh, credits rolled. And that was the end of the movie. It's not a lot. It's only 90 minutes. It's not a long movie, but it's a lot. It's a lot of. Uh, stuff to sit through. A lot of uncomfortable scenes to sit through, depending, you know, what your, what your stomach can take. This is not an easy movie for me to recommend. You go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say was that beforehand, I thought it was a really well done film. It's not something I would watch a lot, but I thought it was really well done. Like, it's hard for me to get grossed out these days. And Again, I'm speaking as somebody who, uh, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I did not get grossed out. I watched this film without blinking. Because I've watched so many horror films between this podcast and prior. We've done 87 episodes. We've watched God knows how many horror films. And who knows how many more we're going to be watching in the near future for this podcast. We may end up watching 600 different movies and doing 600 different episodes. We don't know. I mean, if time will tell. I've watched so many different movies and some movies like to focus on the gore. Some like to focus on uh, just the, the thriller aspect. Some like to focus on suspense. So I've seen a lot of them and at one point there were some movie scenes that had fucked me up. Uh, the two in particular, no, the three in particular I'll mention here that really fucked me up when I was younger was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, where Dan Jordan's character gets uh, locked onto the bike. That really fucked me up when I first saw that. That was a real brutal scene for me to watch. Uh, the scene in Halloween 6, where the dude gets the pole put through his stomach and puts into the electrical box and his head explodes. And the one that I think fucked me up because I saw it when I was super young was uh, in Halloween 4 when Brady gets his head crushed by Michael Myers. Now, some of those scenes you may you hear and you think, oh, those weren't a big deal. Yeah, remember, at the time that I saw them, I was very young. So, I'm seeing them at a time where I'm still impressionable. And they fucked me up. And that's probably why I'm fucked up now. Um, I think my wife would agree with me on that. Uh, point being, is that I've seen a lot. So watching this film, it really didn't do much. Now, that being said, I could probably still watch this movie and still not be disturbed knowing what I know now. However, it takes away the value of it because I'm looking at the Wikipedia that most people the, that detract from this movie do not like the over-the-top gore and the genuine animal slangs. I don't mind over-the-top gore. If it's done right. I think House of Thousand Corpses at the time was a very gory film, and it was done right. 
great. Movies like, uh, what was it? Uh, Human Centipede. Totally didn't like because I thought they were just stupid. But that's another thing. This movie has over the top gore regardless of the animal slayings because you got the humans getting severed and all that stuff. Okay, fine. But you also have animal slayings. And I could probably watch it again without being grossed out because I've already seen it first off. Secondly, that type of shit don't bother me. But it affects me in a way that's like, well, so then this isn't really well done because you couldn't figure out a way to not really harm the animal, but you made it look like you did. It's the same vein of, yeah, I can scare you if I come from behind and blow a damn air horn. It doesn't take much because you're not expecting it, but to scare somebody after building it and building it and building it like the first Halloween did, that's talent. I don't think it was talent to actually kill a fucking animal. So. Oh no. If you're one of those people that are PETA strong, do not see this film because this will offend you or disturb you or whatever. But, me personally, uh, now that I know what I know, it's I don't I, I don't I can't really give it a rating. I don't I think if I rate it, I don't know. I would be either discrediting the good stuff that it does or giving it credit, uh, giving a movie credit for animal slaughter. So normally we always end these reviews with the giving it a two thumbs up, two thumbs down, two thumbs in the middle, whatever the hell. I have to leave it at a no rating. This is the first time in the history of the podcast I am not going to give this movie a rating because I just don't want to justify justify or not justify animal cruelty. I don't justify animal cruelty, but I do not want to stick my opinion on a movie that has that. It just it to me it just derails everything if I do. It's yeah, it's a very hard movie to judge because I guess as a filmmaker's perspective, it's not it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's it's shot it's very well done how it's shot and everything else. It's just the content in the movie itself, and I think that's where everyone clashes with it's with the violence in the movie, whether it be the animal cruelty, uh, the rape, and there's a lot of that. Um, it's it's just the overall tone and violence of the movie, which really makes a lot of people uncomfortable or very disturbed or disgusted um the version you saw is the ultimate uncut version um i know the actors wanted this film to be buried gone forgotten never to be heard from again but this came out when the vhs tapes were really becoming a a thing and eventually it just found its way back into uh attention just through talk just to uh talk trading tapes and then you know here we are now and well, it's on Shutter. It's there for everyone to see. There have been other movies like this since then that have been made similar. That's been uh, raw. Eli Roth made the Green Inferno several years ago. Tried to make it in the vein of this film, just not killing actual animals, of course. But yeah. just trying, just trying to create that same disturbing vibe. It was, it was all right. But with wow. this film, Cannibal Holocaust, it's, it's very hard to. Um, say oh yeah i recommend it it's a good movie because i mean again as i said mentioned it's very well shot but it's just it's the content of what's in the movie is where it's, it's going to divide a lot of people some people may not be bothered some people may like it you know but um i don't know it's 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 very tough i'll just say this the scenes where actors are portraying themselves as being killed or slaughtered totally fine because nobody gets slaughtered animals they're actually getting slaughtered so I that's why I leave it at a no rating because if it was just if it was more of the former where it was all made to look like things were getting murdered and all that stuff then you would have a very well done film but otherwise it, it that's where it's detracted like if they were able to get 
the same exact imagery that they got here with a fake animal, I would be giving this film a two thumbs up because I'd be like, yeah, that's very well done. It's a very convincing looking scene where they're slaughtering animals because when I first saw the movie, or when it says cool, I had no indication that this was real. I thought it was all done with makeup effects or whatever, and they did some special stuff. And I thought that mostly just the imagery would have been enough to deter people from wanting to approve this film. But now that I hear that it was actually real, I can't rate it. I just, I can't within good conscience rate this film. Um, to any of the people who partook in the animal cruelty, uh, I know this was nearly 40 years, a little more than 40 years ago, and I don't want it to be something that's held against you, but yeah, you definitely should be ashamed. And they are, and the actors are ashamed, and, and you just know, maybe in the moment they didn't realize it doing that scene, but you know, 10, 20 years down the line, they're gonna look back at that and it's gonna bother them. They're like, why the fuck did I do that? You know, they didn't they didn't think long term. They're just thinking in the moment, you know, I'm a, I'm a struggling actor. You know, I got to do the scene, you know, if I want to get more roles and. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, this was before Internet. Now, Internet is movie like, would never get made today. Never. No. With Peter around. Hell no. With Peter around, no studio would, would want to get behind this. Like, no, everyone, no one would get involved. Because they find out you're involved in this. That's it. You're done. You're you're blackballed. Yeah. And many of the actors kind of were blackballed because the work dried up for them after this. Yeah, Rob, I don't well, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, the leading actor, the professor who was looking for the kids, he had to go back to doing porn. Well, that's nice. Just to make ends meet. And I, and I didn't know this. He was in Spider-Man. Which one? First he, one? Uh, to, yeah, Tobey Maguire. He had a, a very small, almost like a cameo. It was a scene after Peter saved um, Kirsten Dunst and those kids when the Green Goblin had a, like a one or the other, and he had to save save them. He mm-hmm. was he was one of the talismen that cheered for Spider Man, and a quick like quick little one second scene. Mm. So it wasn't really. He was just more of like a background. Yeah, he was like a background character. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this review. I knew this was going to be an interesting one. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to recommend him Cannibal Holocaust. This is going to be uh, either he's going to message me, tell me, what the fuck did you just recommend me? <laughs> no, I, I went in with the intention of saying, dude, this movie was so well done until you threw that interesting nugget in at me. Now I have to completely change my tone on that. Well, from an oxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Put Oasis in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, goddammit.